stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we have, uh, as usual, (laughs) we have a fun show for you today. Um, We are going to be talking about seduction layers. Uh, hmm. <laughs> and before I introduce my guest and get into that topic, um, I want to, I've made a note for myself to tell you about something because usually I get so into the guests and what they're talking about and so on that sometimes I forget to give out information that I wanted to give out. So, last week we were talking about Brit Week and I have two events that I am putting on that I would like to tell you about uh, so you can save the dates on your calendar. And if you are in the L.A. area or if you want to come here for, <laughs> for these, uh, essentially it's, we're celebrating the anniversary, the one-year anniversary of Kate and William. It was one year ago, April 29th, that the wedding of the century took place. And um, for all you romantics out there, all you people who want to find love or want to make your relationship that you're in more loving, This is uh, a hot time for you. So, there are two events. The first one is on the date of the anniversary, Sunday, April 29th. I am having a tea, of course, at Mick's Garden Cafe in Pacific Palisades. We are going to, um, this all has to do with uh, my having dubbed Kate the quintessential good girl who used bad girl secrets to catch her prince. And, of course, this all relates to my book, (laughs) Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them, and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. So that's Sunday, April 29th, starting at 4 o'clock, Mixed Garden Cafe in Pacific Palisades. And then Wednesday, May 2nd, from 6 to 8 p.m., I'm going to be talking about more of Kate's secrets, uh, particularly the secret dress that she wore, the sexy dress. I'm the U.S. ambassador of Kate's dress, um, so I'm going to be having a fashion night out at Polka Dots and Moonbeams Boutique, which is in West Hollywood on 3rd Street. That's on Wednesday, May 2nd from 6 to 8. If you want more information about either of these events, go to my website, badgirlsbook.com, and, um, and uh, e- email me. There's a place to opt in and email me. And I will be happy to give you more details, but this should get you started. So Sunday, April 29th, and Wednesday, May 2nd. Okay, now, um, a very easy segue from catching one's prints um, to seduction layers. Um, 
Well, actually, <laughs> uh, it, actually, it's interesting because um, the dress that Kate wore in her fashion show, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you it means you haven't listened to this show in a while, um, because I talk about it every chance I get. <laughs> But you can go to the badgirlsbook.com website and you'll see videos of TV appearances and so on where I talk about just some of the secrets that Kate used to catch her prints. And the whole idea is to help women catch their own prints and to help men not be trapped by bad girls. So now we're on to seduction layers. A small hop indeed. Uh, my guest is Frank Kermit. He is... Um, a founding member of one of the first seduction lairs in the world. And he'll tell you what seduction lairs are all about. He is also the author of a book called From Loser to Seducer. And I've asked him to take us on his journey of how he went from a self-admitted loser who was stood up at his prom, eek, that must have hurt, betrayed by his best friend stealing his fiancée, of course that must have hurt, and suffering other heartbreaks from other women. And he has gone from that to someone who teaches men his hard-won lessons of seduction. So welcome to the show, Frank. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. It's great to be here. So tell us. I mean, I know the whole point is um, how you got to being a founding member of one of the first seduction layers is, of course, based upon your own history that, that led you on that journey. So why don't you just start at the beginning? Okay, at the beginning. Um, I always put my guests on Dr. Carroll's couch, (laughs) so go ahead. Okay, well, I'm getting comfy here. I'm sitting on your couch, and it all started when I got stood up at my prom. Madly in love with a girl at the time, asked her out to be my prom date. She stands me up at the prom, completely humiliated in front of my graduating class. Were you supposed to I, meet her at the prom itself? No, um, everybody was meeting at my house. So uh-huh. She was supposed to come over to my house, and we were all going to travel together. And she never showed up. Oh, now, wow. Add, this gets, story gets worse. I, um, you had to reserve your seats at the table, so I had put down that, yes, I'm bringing someone with me. It was such a shock to my graduating class that I would have a date <laughs> that even the teachers got into class discussions with the students about who would be Frank's date. Oh, my God. Well, why and was that teachers, such a shock? Well, I, you know, for lack of a better term, I was a loser. Everybody liked me. I was a good guy. I was a nice guy. I spent a lot of my extra hours tutoring my peers in various classes. However, I wasn't very popular with girls. So when the prom is coming up and I'm announcing, well, yeah, actually, I I do have a date for the prom, it sparked class discussions where even the teachers got involved and said, do you know who Frank's girlfriend is? Is she the girlfriend? Is he a date? Uh, What's going on? So when I actually showed up to the prom without a date, Mm. it was very embarrassing. People were asking me, so, Frank, where's this girl? And I said, oh, she uh, couldn't make it. Just humiliating. Well, now, okay, but let's go back a bit, because this is what I find, you know, obviously I wrote Bad Girls, and she must have been one, unless she got deathly ill that day. Um, Who did you, how did you decide who to pick, who to ask out? Well, she was a girl who wasn't going to my school. We had been friends for a number of years, but as an adult, now I can look back and see that there were signs, there were repeating behavior patterns, 
where she would put her own considerations and her own needs ahead of mine. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she would call me up at 3 o'clock in the morning to tell me about the problems that she was having with some mm. guy she was dating. Mm. And, but when it was my turn to say, okay, well, you know, I, I really need to talk to someone about this as well. Oh, I'm too busy. Mm. And mm-hmm. I never acknowledged that as a red flag because she did stroke my ego at times. Mm-hmm. She did make me feel um, appreciated at times. So I always held out. She was this damsel that I thought I could save, and I felt like some Prince Charming and fed into this whole savior complex I had at the time. Yes, that's exactly what I write about. That's what the bad girls hook into, absolutely. So did you find it? What was her excuse in the end? I never heard from her again. (gasps) I I maybe got her on the phone about a year later, because I tried calling her that night. Yeah. And then a few times afterwards, and even her parents said, who are you and why are you even calling here? Oh, my God. So it was just this absolutely horrible situation. Um, so looking back, know. do you think that she ever intended to go? I don't know. I don't know, and quite honestly, there was a lot of time that I spent wondering, why did she stand me up, why did she stand me up? Mm-hmm. Eventually I learned that the question I should be asking is, why would I choose someone like that yes. to begin with? Yes, absolutely. And it isn't, until, it isn't until I started asking that question that my healing began. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, I, it sounds so cliche right now to say, but why somebody did something to hurt me becomes irrelevant. Yeah. When I reach a point of, it doesn't matter why they hurt me, I had to look at my responsibility in that dynamic, that I chose her. Yes, yes. Okay. Now, um, you know, of course, uh, as I'm sure you know now, of course, when a girl starts talking to you or a woman starts talking to you about their problems with their other guys, unless they're trying to make you jealous, which is, you know, less likely or less often the case, it's a hint that they see you as just a friend, a good guy, who they're not romantically interested in. Exactly. I call that in my lessons the emotional cookie man. Mm Mm-hmm. The guy is the emotional cookie man, and if he's interested in a girl and she starts talking about the problems that she has in her life, specifically romantic problems that she has with another guy, the uh, response that I instruct guys to say now is, stop, I'm not your therapist. When you're with me, we have fun. Mm. And immediately go do something fun. Mm. And that has worked for me on a number of occasions to stay away from the dreaded friend zone. Yes. Simply by saying, now, there's one caveat here. If the problem that she's talking about is something life-threatening, well, no, you listen to her. Right, right. She's talking about a parent who's in the hospital or or something of that nature. Well, of course, you're going to be there for her the way you would be there for anyone. Right. But when the problems are about someone else that she's dating, your role is not to be her therapist. She's not going to fall in love with you because she appreciates you. She's going to fall in love with you because you will halt the mothering instinct. So this way, when she's telling you her problems she, and, and you're there for her, she's associating all these negative feelings with you. You become the nice guy, the good resource that she wouldn't want to risk losing by trying to date you. Well, yes, that, that, I'm sure for some people. But, you know, the thing is that when a woman starts that, talking like that, She's already decided in her mind. She's already put you in the friend category. 
And oh. I've often found that even if she starts doing that, if you halt that behavior and let her know that this is that you're not the person to do that with, and again, you have to immediately take action and do something else that's fun, do something else that's exciting. Yes. She has to recategorize you in that moment. Yes, I mean, at least that's the best way to, that's the best chance that you, that you stand exactly. by doing that. That's true exactly. because, um, by, by showing that you're, that you're not going to allow yourself to be in the friend category. If that's, you know, and you just want to be a, a, considered as a romantic interest or not anything at all. Um, all right, so then, okay, so we, from that trauma, the prom, um, how did you then wind up being betrayed by your best friend stealing your girlfriend, your fiancé? Um, I had learned some lessons from the whole prom experience. One of the lessons that I never learned until the whole uh, betrayal was that when you have problems in your relationship, you don't talk about it with your friends. You talk about it with your partner. Mm. And what happened in my situation was, my ex-fiancé and I were in an on-again, off-again relationship for a number of years. You know what? Let's leave it on this cliffhanger because I don't know if you heard the music, but that means that we need to take a break. And this is a good spot to, uh, because I'm sure, I'm sure after the prom story, everyone wants to hear what happened next. My guest is Frank Kermit. He is the author of a book called From Loser to Seducer. We are talking about seduction layers. We are going on his journey with him. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Papasilli, radio to thrive by. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about seduction layers with my guest, Frank Kermit. He is a founding member of one of the first layers in the world, and we are going on a journey with him, starting off at a terrible uh, traumatic experience, being stood up at his prom by, a, an, uh, by of course, a bad girl. Um, and we are now going to the next uh, romantic trauma. Um, you were starting to tell us about your girlfriend, who you were ultimately betrayed by. So go ahead. Okay, I was dating this woman for about three years in an on-again, off-again relationship. Already that was a red flag, right. but I didn't know any better at the time. Whenever we would have problems, I would talk to one very specific friend of mine that I knew got along with her as well. He started mm. off as my friend, I introduced them, and he was just a very good sounding board for me. What I didn't know was that during the time that I kept going to him and talking to him about these problems we were having, he would tell me, Frank, I don't know how you can even stand her. Hmm. I, could, I would never date her. I could never be with someone like her. Well, as our relationship progressed and you know got more and more difficult, he began having an interest in her. And while he was still listening to me telling him about our problems, he had started writing her love letters. <laughs> yeah. And they had started spending more time together until one day um, it finally came down to uh, a choice that she had to make. And I said, look, you know, it's, it's, it's either me or him. And she chose him. Well, now you were I, actually engaged to her? I call her my ex-fiance because I really believed that we were going to get married, and we had talked about marriage, but we never went through the whole formal process of the ring and, and the families and so on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a way to explain my deep emotional mm-hmm. attachment to her. Mm-hmm. And so did she and your friend ever get married? What happened with uh, that relationship? They dated, they dated for uh, quite a while, and then uh, they broke up. And uh, part of my journey from loser to seducer is that about seven years after we had broken up, I got her back. Okay, we'll have to hear about that. Now, before you got her back, I'm trying to do this chronologically, um, was, wasn't there some other significant heartbreak? Yes, there was. Um, there was another girl that I had gotten to know through one of the programs of study I was in, international student. And she insisted that her and I could never date and never be married because I was of a different race, religion, and culture than she. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed to hear that, but I respected it, and so we became friends. I was still taking her everywhere. I was still paying for all of our outings, but we were just friends. After about two years of that, <laughs> she decides that she's going to make an announcement. She says, Frank, I have to tell you something. I have a boyfriend now. I said, okay, I'm surprised I never heard about this before. Uh, It was a long-distance relationship that she had been in, and she had been dating him while I was taking her other places. 
And uh, at first I was disappointed, but I was still happy for her. I figured, okay, she met somebody who fits her criteria. And you know, as disappointed as I am, because I was hoping that she was going to tell me, Frank, I've decided to give you a chance. Mm-hmm. Now imagine my surprise when it turns out that I get this person's name and she starts telling me a bit of their story, that he's not the same race, religion, and culture mm. as she. Mm. And when I said, now wait a minute. You told me the reason we could never even date was for that reason, but you're telling me that this guy who's your boyfriend and you're now telling me you're thinking about getting married to him, what's the difference? What did he do that I didn't do? Mm -hmm. And her response sent me on a completely different path in my life. She says, I didn't plan for it. It just happened. He seduced me. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And that's when I realized because she, um, she had told him the same thing, but he continued to pursue her. I didn't. Uh-huh. And somehow he seduced her, and that was the trigger for me, because I went back home thinking, okay, this keeps happening to me. Now, the prom incident, I can say she was a bad girl. It's not my fault. The ex-fiancé incident, I can say, well, I was betrayed by two people there. It's not my fault. When I get to the third time that this happens to me, now these are the three major heartbreaks, but there was a lot of others in between. Mm-hmm. But when you have a constantly bad relationship history, you have to look at the one common element. <laughs> yeah. And I, you'd already, I'm sure you already know what that common element is. Got to look at me, myself. Yes. I'm the common element in every relationship I've been in. So the problem is me. This is all my fault. And that was an absolutely horrible night. I finally got home. At one point when I was driving home, my hands were shaking so bad, I had to stop the car mm-hmm. and give myself a few minutes to cool off. Mm-hmm. And that's the night I decided, that's it. I'm going to be a seducer. Why did I use the term seducer? Because of what she had told me that night. This, some, this other guy seduced her. Well, well I'm not going to let this happen to me again. I'm going to become the seducer. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that, that was makes over. sense. That night, I had actually contemplated suicide because of mm. how hurt and angry I was. Mm. So my decision was, I'm either going to figure this out, I am going to figure out love and attraction and seduction, or I'm just going to end it because I can't go on like this. There's no point for me to build anything in my life if I have no one to share it with. Now, if, I hope you don't mind me asking you, how old were you by that point? When I was in my mid-twenties. Okay. And by that point, I had accumulated a wall full of degrees, awards, times I appeared in the media. But it was so hollow because I had nobody to share any of that with. Mm-hmm. All of those accomplishments, all of those accolades, and nobody to build a future with. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it just it, it became meaningless. And so that's why understanding the study of love and using the, the, the means of seduction to figure that out became the most important thing to me. Okay. And did you notice something um, that was common to all three of these women, the prom person, woman, girl who, didn't, who stood you up, and the, the girl who went with your best friend, and, and then this girl? Um, did you look for a common... Absolutely. There's a number of common elements, and one of the common elements I found was that I gravitated towards women who made me feel like I could be some sort of a hero to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, these poor women, they're struggling so much. They need somebody to come in and take care of them. 
and so I'll I'll buy them dinner and and I'll and I'll help them out and I'll I'll buy one girl a microwave because you know she she's always having to cook tea on the on the stove and I felt good by being able to in, in my own mind be their hero and yes, that was an emotional need that I had which turned out to be a very dysfunctional one. Yes, and there are a lot of men, in, as you know, in your same circumstance. Um, I, t- I talk about that, how society, men learn, just like women, little girls learn growing up that they have to catch, uh, kiss a lot of frogs. Um, mm-hmm. Men learn that they have to slay dragons to get mm-hmm. their princess. Exactly. And... What I was thinking at the time was, well, if I'm a good person, if I'm really good to these women, they'll appreciate me, and that appreciation will turn to love. Yes. And that's not the case. Yes. (laughs) Appreciation can turn into a deep friendship, and sometimes, depending on the circumstance, a friendship can develop into a loving relationship. Mm -hmm. But that takes a lot of uh, emotional maturity for both partners for that to be achieved, at least in my experience it has. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I, I wonder, um, let me ask you a question. You're, you know, I was t- talking at the beginning about my book, Bad Girls, and I, I did a, I wish I would have, I wish I would have known about you at the time. You fit so perfectly into, uh, you know, sort of pr- a prototype of what I described, men who, uh, want to, be this um, knight in shining armor, slay the dragon, and so on, so that women will appreciate them and stay with them, not abandon them, and exactly. um, and make them feel like the biggest stud on the planet. And right. so what I found in interviewing over 100 men for this book is that there were certain um, things that they had in their background, both mm-hmm. in their childhood and with their parents and then in their more recent life. So what was your was your father involved with you during your childhood? Not really. Not really. My father had his own demons to slay. He was a good man. You know, he didn't drink, he didn't uh, he didn't abuse us physically. But he had his own issues where he wasn't as involved as he could have been. Mhm. That is and my mother typical... was Go ahead. And my mother was very um overbearing. Uh-huh. And smothering to the point where I didn't have a solid emotional base growing up. Now they took care of me, you know, I was I was always taken care of, but one thing I never had as a child is that I never felt completely safe. Mhm. And that has factored in to this idea for me anyway that because I never felt safe it was so important to me to make the women in my life feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that is still important. I'm, I'm a husband and I'm a father now, and, and making my family feel safe is very important. But it's different. Mm-hmm. In well, making someone feel safe, you also have to encourage them to seek out a semblance of independence. Yeah. And what I think happened to with me, and, and at least a number of the women that I was dating, is that they catered to my need to be their hero, but I was also dealing with individuals who they themselves weren't looking to become independent. They weren't looking to become, uh, well, for lack of a better term, grown up. Right. And that lack of maturity also led to an inability to commit emotionally. And that was something else as well. 
if I have my own emotional issues where I struggle with emotional intimacy, I can only attract and date women who have the same type of complementary emotional intimacy issues. Well, yes, uh, but it, it, can, it gets more specific than that. But yes, in a general sense. But what you were describing, that is the typical, most typical um, feature that I found in all the men who dated bad girls, that their father was not very involved in their life. Mm-hmm. And um, so it didn't validate them as a man, which is why exactly. they needed to slay dragons. Um, and, and with guys uh, had mothers who were either like what you described, smothering, or the opposite, um, very distant, not there either emotionally or physically. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when, when the mother is smothering, the guy is, um, is used to having women, allowing women to take the lead and, um, and sort of be controlled in a sense. Um, by women, you know, by these, how, these types of bad girls. That's how we would interpret being loved. And that's why we responded to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, there's the music again. Um, we do need to take another break. But when we come back, I guess this leads up us right up to the door of your being one of the founding members of the first seduction layers. So we can take it from there when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. My guest is Frank Kermit. Um, he's written several books. One of them is From Loser to Seducer, and that's essentially what we're talking about now. So stay tuned. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships... Check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. 
And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I can't wait to go back and talk about seduction layers with Frank Kermit, my guest. He is a founding member of one of the first layers in the world. And um, we've gotten to hear his story, um, and we're now at the door of the seduction layer. How did it happen that you became a founding member of one, and what is it? Okay, first of all, I never really set out to start these organizations. <laughs> it's more along the lines of something that just happened as I was trying to develop my own self. Mm-hmm. So I started by reading everything I could on the topic of seduction. That really became the title word that I went searching for. Mm. I found a number of books. I found audio programs, video seminars, and, and I'm just learning all this stuff. But the problem is learning it by yourself. Some of the material was very convoluted. It was you know, You're dealing with someone who doesn't have a lot of social skills or calibration skills, and now they're trying to learn all these language patterns. So I started reaching out through the Internet to see who else in my area is studying this material. Hmm. And I just found out through, you know, email here, email there, hey, I just bought your product. Uh, do you know anybody else who lives in this city who, who's involved in this uh, study as well? found out there were about 40 of us. And they had tried to organize, you know, dinners and a meetup, and nothing ever really panned out. So I finally said, and I talked with, uh, I got to meet one of the other guys who was a key figure in this group, and I said, look, you know, we got to get together. we got to bring everyone together so we can study together and help each other out. My whole envision for a seduction layer is really a support group. And as seduction layers have started popping up in every major city in the world, it always comes down to it works best as a support group. The seduction layer has two components. It's an online forum where guys will join up, post about what's going on, post about their problems, and then everybody says, well, you might want to try reading this book, you might want to try this situation, where people are speaking from their experience. The second element is that the guys have to meet up once a week. If you're dealing with a small group of guys, we started meeting each other uh, at people's homes in their living rooms. Eventually, the membership got so big that we would have to actually rent out a dance studio or um, a bookstore basement or something of that nature. Hmm. But we could meet once a week, and and because we have that face-to-face connection, we had to have very strict standards about how we were going to behave with one another. So part of being in a seduction layer is that there are very strict rules, and layers work because of the rules, not in spite of them. Because if you're in the same city and you're posting private stories on some forum, and now you're running into people on the street and say, hey, he was at a meeting. Mm. How do you behave on the street? Uh-huh. Now, for a normal person, they understand the first rule is discretion. But you're not dealing with society's best. You're dealing <laughs> with society's broken. Well, okay. I mean, you know, well, all right, go ahead. I mean, okay, it doesn't I mean that this... they're not best. They have... It's just they're hurt at the moment. Go ahead. Okay, okay. I, I know this sounds very harsh, and, and and when I am dealing with with guys at the time, that's the type of language I would use because that's the type of language these guys would respond to mm-hmm. to say okay. that a society does not attract society. Uh, a layer does not attract a, a society's best. It is attracting people who struggle with social environments, and so. What happens when you're having an event? You're putting on, um, let's say, a concert, and you invite guys from the layer. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to expect that there's going to be someone who's going to show up to your event and behave in a socially awkward manner. 
Okay. And that's going to reflect bad on the host who did the inviting. So we came up with very strict rules about how you're going to conduct yourself when you run into members outside of the layer environment. Okay. And now it got to the point where there were people who were joining that where they didn't need a support group with other men to learn about how to fix their love lives. These people needed competent therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's not what a layer can offer. Mm-hmm. And so when someone comes into the group who needs competent therapy, that's where you say, look, we can't help you. We can help you with this one area of your life, but you have bigger problems that we're not equipped to deal with. Mm-hmm. If we're dealing with someone who's dealing with an addiction, they need a counselor, a therapist, a psychologist, right. a psychiatrist. They don't need a seduction layer. Yes. If, if we're dealing with someone who has a very abusive past and they're dealing with some area of trauma, a seduction layer isn't going to help them heal. Mm-hmm. That's why we had to come up with very strict rules about membership and who can even join. Okay. So did you elect a president, or how did, how did it work? What happened at these meetings? Well, the meetings would usually start off with everybody arriving, and we would start off with a topic of the week, um, approaching girls in bars. Okay. Or uh, ways to start conversations. And then everybody would have this wonderful discussion where everybody, everybody participates in, well, this is what I studied, this is what I learned, I have a friend who does this. Or they would talk about their own experiences and say, okay, we're going to try that. The other part of the meeting is that everybody gets about five minutes and they talk about a specific challenge they're having. Uh And then it's thrown to the floor. People raise their hands and then the person who asks the question gets to choose who's going to give them some advice. Hmm. When people offer advice, they have to be clear if it's an idea they have, if it's something they've read, something they've studied, or if it's an actual experience. Uh-huh. The, that person takes all the advice, will go out and try some of that advice, and then on the forum will post their results. Mm. And then the cycle simply repeats. Okay. Eventually, some of the guys are going to learn a lot of social skills. Sometimes the guys will pair up and go out together with the, with the singular goal of, we're going to go out and we're going to go talk to girls. Let's go to a bookstore. Find a girl that we think is pretty and approach her and say hello and try to start a conversation, see where it goes. Other times, the guys would join the layer because they had a specific girl in mind that they were madly in love with, but the girl just sees the guy as a friend. How can he change that? We had guys who would show up that they really didn't have any concept of how to dress socially, how to be an interesting person, how to talk socially. Or, any, or, or they just lacked a, a level of charisma. They didn't know how to make other people feel good in their presence. Hmm. They didn't know how to make small talk. In some of the cases, we were dealing with men who were adult-aged virgins, and that turns out to be a very high percentage of the type of guys who will go to a seduction layer. Hmm. We're dealing with men in their 20s and 30s and even 40s that have never had sex with a girl. So they're showing up here hoping that, okay, this is the one place that maybe I can, I can try and understand this. Mm-hmm. We're dealing with young men who come in, and all they want to do is go out and have one-night stands, and they just want to learn, how do I go to a club or a bar and, and, you know, and be the man and attract all the girls so I can go home with whoever I want? Mm-hmm. So you have a, quite the gamut of, of people coming in. Some people are interested in relationships. They don't, they're not interested in the one-night stand path. 
Other people are looking to get back somebody they've lost or maybe never had. I fall into that category because I was never into the one-night stands. I joined a seduction layer, and I wanted to develop my skills. Primarily, my goal was to get my ex-fiancé back. Mm-hmm. And after a number of years, because during this time period, I went five years not having any sex. I went mm-hmm. five years not having any real um, emotional intimacy with people. Because after the one, the woman who had said that uh, she didn't want to date anyone from that wasn't her background, and then she did that, and that was sort of the triggering incident. That after that, you had five years of not being, not wanting to be hurt again. Exactly, and it was in that five years that I, I spent the time with that woman for two years, um, and then three years after that, mm-hmm. it was it was just impossible. It was this. It was just an impossibility for me, the ability to open myself up and take that chance until I actually had an understanding of relationship dynamics. So being in this seduction layer helped you to... How did this work for you to ultimately get your ex-fiancé back? I spent about three years reading and testing everything I could on the topic of dating seduction relationships. And at one point, when I finally broke my five-year dry spell and I I started a relationship with a girl, it was the first time that it was an open relationship. It was the first time that I would have sex very quickly with a girl after having met her. And then something just triggered where I finally found the behaviors that were attractive to women that made me feel good as a man. Things like being mindful of always protecting a woman's reputation. Not something I ever really thought about prior to my study of seduction, but I learned through seduction that a woman's reputation is one of her most important assets, and it's the man who adamantly protects her reputation that he's going to develop something special with her. Other things that were important during the world of seduction was the recognition that men and women were different. I come from a background where I figured, well, no, men and women are, are equal. We have equal rights under the law, and women are human beings, and you know, they deserve to be treated as such. And that's right. Women are human beings, and they deserve to have the same rights to safety under the law as men. But that doesn't mean men and women are equal. Men and women are still different. Mm-hmm. They'll respond differently to situations. They'll value things differently. They will communicate differently. And the resentment that I had built up in men, because at least the men that were joining the layer, a lot of them were coming in saying, but I don't understand. This is the way I would want to be treated, so I would treat a woman this way. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that that's a turnoff. Because all these, men are, all these men are thinking is, I have to treat her as an equal. But treating somebody as an equal doesn't mean that you don't calibrate to the fact that they're different in terms of how they communicate and how they respond to things. So that was something else that I learned in seduction. There are a number of negatives. Learning seduction is your primary source of understanding relationships. And there's but the music, important. and we'll get, we can get into that when we come back. Um, but that's, you know, it's, it's well, I, this, this whole idea, I think, is, and it's growing. Um, well, we'll talk about that when we come back. My guest is Frank Kermit. We're talking about seduction layers. 
very interesting topic. He's very being very forthright and honest about his own uh, journey into seduction layers, and oh, we're almost out of the seduction layer now. <laughs> You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, so stay tuned. Talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking about seduction layers with my guest, Frank Kermit. He is a founding member of one of the first layers. Um, his, one of his books is called From Loser to Seducer, and we're listening to his fascinating journey uh, about how he went from loser to seducer, and and, and uh, right now we're talking about how he essentially built up his courage, his self confidence, um, through through being involved in this seduction lair, a support group for men who are having problems with women. Um, and so, what take it from there? And and Frank's now now uh, what's important to underline is that Frank's goal for for being part of this was to try to win his. Um, ex-fiance back, not to try to score as many um, uh, sex dates, first dates with sex or, or um, you know, one-night stands as possible, but rather he had, and not that that's the goal of all the people. I mean, I guess everybody has different goals, but your that was your goal and that was what you were working towards. So tell us about how that worked out. Okay, well, after a number of years of practicing seduction and Probably, you know, uh, experimenting with open relationship structures, monogamous relationship structures, certain behaviors that uh, I'll give you just a very you know easy example. There's some seduction material that says after you have dinner with a girl, if you're at somebody's home, whether her place or your place, you should do the dishes together. It helps build rapport, gives you something to talk about. And there's other seduction material that says, no, you don't do the dishes together because you're not there for that. You're there to get to know each other and, and not to do something uh, that might trigger her to feel like your mommy. Mm-hmm. Well, I would experiment with both. 
With some girls, I would say, okay, let's, let's do the dishes together. And with other girls, I would say, no, you're not here for that. We're here to get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And I just figured out, okay, well, this, I'll find out what works for me. Right. Just with experimenting with simple behaviors like that to see which one works to have a girl say, I want to be with you, and which one works to, to lead to the girl to say, nope, I really, I'm not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started the layer, I took on the role of a moderator, and because of some that experience I have in running volunteer organizations, I wrote the very first layer constitution, which has job descriptions for the moderators, social committee director, uh, you know, the rules for conduct, rules for behavior. What do you do when you are interested in a girl that one of your layer brothers is also interested in? These type of things. Mm-hmm. And as this movement continued, because when we first started, we would maybe get a new member once every few weeks after a book called The Game was published. Mm-hmm. It exploded. And we had something like Instead of six new members a month, we were getting six new members a week, and it just started growing. Now, through this process, major cities also started forming layers, and when they found out where we had already established one, they were contacting us saying, how do you do it? The constitution that I had written ended up being emailed to layers around the world. So if you visit a seduction layer around the world and you see that they have their constitution and rules written up, that's based on the material that I had initially drafted. Hmm. So so, somewhere in every major city of the world, there's somebody who knows about Frank Kermit. (laughs) Okay, so continue. Now, in continuing my development, I mean, I went from five years of no sex to having five girlfriends and lovers at the same time. Uh, not cheating on anybody. Everybody knew that you know we were all allowed to date other people, but that was the maximum I had ever achieved because I only have so many hours in the day. Mm-hmm. I went from getting stood up at my prom to having what's called a poly date on Valentine's Day. This is where there's two girls that I'm seeing at the time, and the three of us will go out on a dinner date together <laughs> for Valentine's Day, which was a wonderful experience just because I loved the freedom of it. I loved being able to say, I want to spend Valentine's Day with both of you, but I don't want to choose mm-hmm. who to spend it with. And I'd like us all to spend it together, and it worked out. I lost my ex-fiancé to my best friend, and a few years into the study of seduction, um, my ex-fiancé and I actually reconnected, and I had the opportunity to find closure on what had happened between us. Yeah, what do you mean? In the sense that, we did get back together, but it was short-lived. After what? everything that I had learned about seduction, that's when I learned the ultimate lesson that I now teach in my coaching, and that is even at your best, you're still only 50% of a relationship. Uh-huh. And the other 50% is about choosing the right person for you. My okay. ex-fiance and I, as much as we cared about each other, and we did, there was a genuine love there. We weren't right for each other. We didn't want to build the same type of future together. And I got closure on that because I had always felt that, well, if I had just been better, if mm-hmm. I had just worked harder, if I had just been a little bit different, she would have stayed. Mm-hmm. And when I finally got to the point where I was at my best and it still didn't work out, mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a point where I reached a, a level of forgiveness because I was finally able to forgive myself for everything that had happened. 
You know, just because you might love somebody and just because you're a good person and they're good people too that make mistakes, that doesn't mean that it's supposed to work out. Mm-hmm. And and that was that that was a point where I reached a, a lot of closure on all of my past hurt. And so, how did we get? Because we're we're kind of running out of time. How did now you're married and you have a child? How did you mm-hmm. get from there to there? Um, well, after I got closure with my ex fiance and we we ended things, and we're we're still we're not the best of friends, but we're not enemies, mm-hmm. which was which is a nice place to be. I continued dating people, and with each person I dated, I continued to refine what it is I'm looking for in a future life partner. I still believed in marriage, and I still wanted to have a family. And I continued to date people until I found somebody that, yes, I could build a future with. I met my wife through eHarmony. Um, Our first date lasted 36 hours, and it was hour 26 that we decided to get married. Wow. (laughs) And, um, you know, within two weeks, we bought the ring. Uh, Within uh, two months, we were officially engaged. Within 10 months of meeting, we were married. We still have a very strong relationship. That doesn't mean our relationship is perfect. We have our ups and downs like anybody else. We're going to fight. How long have you been married so far? Uh, we've been married in, we got married in 2007. Uh-huh. So it's about five years. And uh, we still have a very, we're really best friends. And I'm, I'm very happy about that. But I never would have been able to build the kind of future relationship I have now without having gone through all of that. As well, bad as some of those things were that happened to me, they, they were incredible uh, teachers of great lessons. Well, now, um, and I guess your wife isn't a isn't a bad girl. No. Um, how would you? What, what would you say to someone who's listening and who says, "Well, okay, that's all very nice, but." Um, but I don't want. I'm, I'm speaking as if I were a man. I don't want no. to. Um, I don't want to have to learn all these tricks about you know do the dishes, don't do the dishes, bring flowers, don't bring flowers. I don't want to have to learn all these things. Either the woman's going to like me for or love me for who I am, or 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 forget it. What do you say? Well, if that's his attitude, he wouldn't be coming to me for coaching. Well, right. But what do you say? To <laughs> but yeah, what I mean, do you that's... say to somebody who who thinks you know thinks that way? Um, look, if it's working for you to think that way, go ahead. And the day comes that it's not working for you, you look me up. <laughs> people people who are not willing to change, as long as it's working for you, then it's nobody's business. But if you're not happy where you are in your life and you're refusing to change, that always signals to me that, no, there's something else going on here. On some level, you don't want the things that you think you want. Mm-hmm. Because you're not ready to become the type of person who can have those things and mm-hmm. create that opportunity in your life. Well, it's it's um, it's really you know. Well, tell, what is the state now? Uh, like, how many? Just estimate how many sedu- the seduction layers do you think there are in the world? Oh, I would I would have to estimate as many as there are large cities. So. If we could say that there's probably thousands of large cities, then there's probably thousands okay. of layers. Okay, and how do people find seduction layers? <laughs> well, that's uh, you do at this point. Uh, the internet is a wonderful tool of connection, and uh, you can type in your city name with seduction layer and see what comes up. Okay. And if you don't, if there is no seduction layer in your area, 
Um, well, I have a book on how to run a seduction layer, so you can download that for free and start one. Yes, and you do that at Frank's website, which is franktalks.com. Frank, F-R-A-N-K, talks, T-A-L-K-S, dot com. Frankstalk.com. My guest is Frank Kermit. Thank you so much for sharing your, being so open about your story, From Loser to Seducer, the title of your book. And uh, obviously your answer to the last question um, proves most of all that uh, what a good coach you must be because, you know, saying that if that's working for them, then go ahead. Um, because, yes, that, that, that kind of uh, explains a lot. I want to also remind you all um, the dates to hold if you're in L.A. or you can come to L.A., please save these dates on your calendar, Sunday, April 29th from, at 4 o'clock. Uh, tea at Mick's Garden Cafe in Pacific Palisades to celebrate the one-year anniversary of Kate and William's marriage. And Wednesday, May 2nd from 6 to 8 at Polka Dots and Moonbeams Boutique in West Hollywood um, to learn the fashion secrets of Kate Middleton. So go to my website, badgirlsbook.com, um, opt in and ask me any more details that you would like about these two events. I'd love to see you there. Just come up and say you're a listener of Dr. Carol's Couch. So thank you, Frank. Thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 